You're listening to episode number 20 on the Cameras and Coffee podcast. Today's episode is called Are You Legally Legit? with Rachel Branke. Rachel is the head attorney and photographer behind the Law Talk, the legal resource for photographers, among many other things. As a mother of five, Army veteran spouse, and Team USA athlete, she understands that life is busy and we don't have time to mess around. Listen in as we discuss everything from starting a photography business to how to protect your images. Head on over, grab your favorite cup of coffee, and let's dive on in. You're listening to the Cameras and Coffee Podcast with Kara Haynes, a light and airy conversation about everyday life so you can listen and learn from entrepreneurs. Here's your host, photographer, educator, and mentor, Kara Haynes. This episode is brought to you by Dubzato. Dubzato is a business management solution designed to cut out the busy work, build relationships, schedule appointments, and create workflows to streamline your booking process. Honestly, I love how easy it is to use and the flexibility it has for a photographer. I made the switch to Dubzato two years ago, and now I can organize each client by their sessions and have the flexibility to schedule multiple appointments and workflows for each and every session. It really is a time saver, and it's what keeps me organized, even in the busiest of seasons. If you want to get started or make the switch, you can get 20% off your first year with code Kara Haynes Credit. That's K-A-R-A-H-A-N-E-S-C-R-E-D-I-T. Hey, Rachel, welcome to the Cameras and Coffee podcast. So excited you're here today. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think the first time I ever heard you was on Jenna Kutcher's uh, Gold Digger podcast. And from there, I've been following you. So podcasts are near and dear to my heart in creating the conversation. So this is exciting today. That's awesome. You know, what's funny about that podcast. We actually had to record it twice. It's funny. <laughs> show. I don't know if you want me to share this with your audience, but we were talking about like tech issues, right? Being the person managing all yeah. the and all the hats and everything. But Jenna, we had recorded the whole thing. And then when she went to process it, it wasn't that great. So we had to redo it again. And I was like, hey, it was even better. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Oh, man. Yeah, that's never fun. But hey, <laughs> more of each other. That's always good, too. Yeah, but good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so good. Well, I'm going to let um, listeners that have never heard of you before kind of get to know who you are a little bit. Okay. Um, and um, we can either talk about like where photography came into play or if you want to start back from what started everything. I mean, there's a lot of umbrellas there, so you can go as far as you want and we can dive into more later. So we just four finish. hours, right? Four hours for me to tell my story. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so yes, no, my name is Rachel Branke. I am the owner and founder of The Law Talk, the go-to legal resource for photographers, but I didn't start there. I started in other business areas and then went to law school. And while I was in law school, I fell in love with photography and I also needed to financially support my family. And I had no concept that I was going to create something like the law talk. I really thought <laughs> I was going to go to law school. I wanted to move into child sex crimes prosecution. That was my passion. That's what I wanted to make my impact in the world. But over the three years of law school, you know, I started having a booming photography business that allowed me 
to be flexible. My husband was deployed to Iraq. I was having babies in law school, zero stars, don't recommend. Um, (laughs) But it just, you know, the photography was growing my business and people, Mm -hmm. photographers were asking me questions because I knew I was in law school. And by the time Mm -hmm. I graduated at the end of the three years, I was like, there is something really here, right? There's a lot of general Mm -hmm. legal information out there. And as we've seen, even as recently, because a lot of talk's been around for about 13 years at this point, um, it's the laws are moving quickly. We're seeing impact mm-hmm. of AI, you know, copyright uh, rulings coming out of Supreme Court. So it's been awesome that the law talk can be like that one resource, kind of combining my love for photography, creativeness, and also the legal protection, because I'm an entrepreneur, just like you guys, like a business owner. And mm-hmm. for me, at the end of the day, I would rather spend time, money, and energy with my clients, with my photography clients or whatever business that you're in and not having to deal with the legal stuff. I mean, lawyers, let's be real. <laughs> They're not always fun. <laughs> I think as I can be sometimes, but yeah. So that's kind of like where that's the, in a nutshell, how the law talk came about. Wow. And then what, are, what are all the umbrella, you don't have to dive into all of them, but what are some of like the hats you hold? Um, that are under that Rachel Brinke umbrella, I guess. Yeah. So Rachel Brinke started with multiple different businesses. People were asking questions even before the law talk. How do I get into business, et cetera? So I started doing business consulting. The law talk was born during law school. And then I've kind of just taken and copy pasted that whole idea of the law talk of being a resource with like contracts, education, articles, and podcasts. And I put it into other different industries. I have a brand fit legally for fitness professionals and also for um, lawyers, believe it or not, called Esquire Hmm. Essentials. And that way, lawyers who also want to kind of do what I've done, they can learn the same thing. Because let's say you're a criminal attorney, you don't necessarily know the business workings. And so that's what Mm -hmm. they come to me for. So yeah, kind of the offerings are the same. It's just very specific to the niche that you're in. And they all mirror what I do, right? I am a Team USA athlete. So the fitness stuff fits in really well there. Photographer, the law talk, and then obviously Esquire Essentials, a lawyer like myself. Nice. Yeah. Some of that stuff I didn't know. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy. And then do you, do you own studios of your own too? Or I used to. Yeah. Used to. So okay. we, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the follow-up question to that is always, do you still do photography? And yeah. I hang on to that as much as I can. <laughs> The reality is, is that the law talk and my law firm as a byproduct of the law talk has grown so much Mm -hmm. that I am so incredibly busy growing the firm, acquiring 26 plus attorneys that work under me to serve you guys. I just don't have time. So I did let the studios go when we moved a couple of years ago. The whole idea of finding a new commercial space and all of that was just too much at the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad you asked that because I've been thinking about doing that again if I can ever come up for air. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then photography, I'm very selective. So I'll still, Mm -hmm. what's funny is in my photography journey, when I was in law school and I first started, I feel like most other people that get a camera and start learning, you photograph everything to figure out what you like. Um, Mm -hmm. I quickly got rid of weddings. No offense to them. (laughs) It just didn't work for my lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. And other issues. But you you all know. You all know. If you know, you know. Um, And so I transitioned from there into primarily commercial and marketing type of photography, branding Mm -hmm. stuff. I'll do that now only for people who are existing legal or business consulting clients of mine, but I still also do family photography for like the clients that were with me from the jump, right? To honor them Mm -hmm. for that. That stuff never hits the internet except on their own 
you know, pages. I don't advertise for it. They just come around. I get to see their kids grow up. So yeah, the studios have kind of been put on a back burner just so I can serve photographers better through the law firm and through the law talk. And then photography is, uh, I would love to do more of it, honestly, at this point. Um, but I love it all. It's like when I'm doing photography, I'm like, oh, photography, 100%. Then when I'm doing legal, I'm like, oh, legal, 100%. And, you know, it's creative, yeah. I think. And entrepreneurs, we're just passionate about everything that we do. And so I think a lot of you guys can kind of understand how that feels. Uh, just one little aside on that, and I'll quit my long-winded fashion. I was watching a video yesterday, and it was encouraging people that are multi-passionate to say, you don't have to turn every one of your passions <laughs> into a business. And I was like, <laughs> oh, really? I could do photography without making it a business again? <laughs> I think I need to hear that, honestly, because I'm always like, ooh, <laughs> I know, but here's you know, an idea. I think that's also what grows us, right? You know, mm -hmm. having that, testing it out, being, I wouldn't say necessarily impulsive, but motivated and the fire to get into something and testing and not being afraid to fail, which we hear that phrase a lot. But I think mm -hmm. for multi-passionate people, especially creatives, that's incredibly important to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have this dream, like I'm going to run a photography studio. Like I'd love to do it, but I'm like the style of photography I don't, I have, I don't need a studio for mm -hmm. myself. But I'm like, I want to run one, <laughs> but I'm like, how would I do that? And what I do now, but Let me it's like one of those this. things like, ah, yeah. I mean, so this obviously is delegation, but no, yes. but let me ask you this. The business coach hat comes on when you say that. Yeah. Why do you want to run a photography studio? Because I feel the same pull with like the law firm stuff. It's like, I almost am embarrassed sometimes that I don't have that fancy office anymore, but it was mm -hmm. like, I'd rather not pass that money on to my clients. I'd rather be able to lower their outlay because they never even came to the fancy <laughs> law firm yeah, office. Right? So, you know, why should they have to bankroll it? Yep. Yep. I totally get that. And that is where I'm like, I don't need it. And really, it's more of status for yep. one thing, but not in, most importantly, I'm like a place to go that's not my house <laughs> and work. But it's like, do those things bring in income? And then you get the the sense of, okay, it would be nice to not have to like go and rent out someone else's studio and then like have a limited amount of time and then like also it could be passive income yep. in a way, but then, yeah, it's all those things where you're like, Does, is it absolutely necessary? <laughs> but yes, totally get that. Yes. And I was curious how many people were on your team. So thanks for clearing that one. Cause I was like, girl, how do you do all this? <laughs> well, so let that's me caveat that. That's the, that's the attorneys that work for me. So one of the goals with the law talk yeah. with the law firm from the very beginning was to try to find an attorney in at least one in all 50 states that understands mm -hmm. my perspective and approach to legal, which is not just legal first, but it's also combining the idea that we're solopreneurs. We are, most mm -hmm. of us are on a budget, you know, we're running families as well as businesses. And so having that kind of approach as opposed to just the legal knowledge, it's been a long process. I mean, it's been almost 13 years of law talk and I'm still acquiring states, right? I feel like I'm collecting <laughs> yeah. them. But my core team itself, outside of the attorneys, on the law talk itself, we only have one, two, three, four-ish people, but then they all can hire contractors. So these are like four full-time people yeah. that work with me, but then we have a host of contractors. And at the law firm, we only have two full-time outside of attorneys, of support staff, and then everything else is contractor. 
Yeah, because when I hear when you're telling people, like, contact the law talk for this, when you have, like, your Facebook groups and stuff like that, I'm like, how how big is this team? And, like, how do you have accessibility in each state? And I'm like, that makes way more sense. Because, I, yeah, I'm like, girl, (laughs) I know you can't be doing that all. (laughs) So, yes. My husband was active duty military. And so I'm really connected to the military community. And Mm -hmm have a um, organization called MSJDN. It's Military Spouse JD Network. And so it's attorneys mm-hmm. in all these different states that are military spouses. And so I've kind of tapped oh, cool. in that organization, not just for support, but I'm also to provide able to provide them employment. And the domino mm-hmm. effect is that you guys get the benefit of the, of the service in these different states for legal protection yeah. for your photography business. Yeah, very cool. <clears throat> yeah, that's... Uh greatly needed and very cool to like know that that resource can come from you and like spread out and you know like yeah someone you trust you know you like come here you're like oh I trust Rachel she's gonna set me up with someone good (laughs) so yeah that's that's huge um so let's dive into kind of like we're gonna kind of go back to like if someone's starting a photography business or like thinking of starting a photography business let's go through some questions on that and kind of dive into like where what they should be thinking of um or maybe someone that's been a photographer for years and hasn't thought of this at all and it's like oh <laughs> so yeah, um yeah. just kind of eye opening a little bit um it happens i know it's happened to me in the past or i'm like oh okay um so yeah let's kind of start with like let's say someone bought a camera for the first time and they're um thinking about like, oh, I like taking pictures. What what should I do if I want to make money off of this or people want to pay me for this? What is your biggest piece of advice to them before they take paying clients? So this is a good question because there is a major myth that I've been trying to debunk, especially lately. There is a difference between what is legally required by the state. And by the way, let me give my little disclaimer here. I'm not, you know, I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer unless you want me to be. And now you've heard we have a network of attorneys that you can work with us. (laughs) Uh, So, but generally speaking, there is a really low bar. I mean, we're an unregulated industry for the most part. So really, there's no certification requirement. There are certifications out there, but you're not required to do them. The legal requirements by the government are so incredibly minimal, but that's different from what I would suggest, and I'll give that to you guys in a second, of what to truly be legally protected. So there's one, the legal requirements, and then two, the legal recommendations. So under the legal requirements, you're really looking at one, paying your taxes, which can include income tax, sales tax, if applicable for your state, some don't even have that, Um, or it's not applicable if you're doing all digitals, you have to check for your state specifically. And the second is, is a business license required? And some states, yes, some states, no. I'm going to put a little asterisk here for you guys. Business license does not equal a limited liability company, entity, or a corporation. That is an entity. So business license is simply asking the state or your jurisdiction, could be your city or county, um, well, most often it's your, no, I'm not going to get into that. There's a whole bunch of variations, but- yeah. It's asking permission just to do business. It's not even necessarily asking to do the business of photography. It's just to do business. So if you take a step back and think, oh, all I have to worry about is paying taxes on what I earn and making sure I have a business license. Again, with the caveat, your state might have a couple extras, might be have to find them. 
is that that's not that hard. I can check the box pretty quick, low cost on what I need to do in order to be fulfilling what's legally required. That being said, and maybe you have questions on that before I move into number two, just think about that and jot that down. That is something that every photographer should get under their belt before they even make money. Because one of the biggest things that I hear is, well, I'm not profiting. I'm in the negative. The government doesn't mm -hmm. care that you're in the negative, right? They care that you're putting yourself out there. So if you're doing model calls or if you're doing any sort of advertising to gain someone to pay you, you need to have at least these two things taken care of. And because I'm telling you what, once the government gets involved in stuff, it is not fun. It is, it's one of those things that's really hard to walk back and you would have to spend time, money, and energy on a lawyer that most photographers, like you mentioned, who just got a camera trying to figure this out, you're trying to figure out marketing, you're trying to figure out client experience, mm -hmm. Photoshop, presets, you know, equipment, all of this. You don't want to have to deal with this other stuff. So being on the preventive side, getting those two things under your belt and making sure you do that before you even put out a call to make money is so incredibly important. Yeah, I know, like, even when I was getting started, and that was back, like, in 2008, it was like, how do I do this business thing? I mean, there's so much education now. I know you provide education on, like, how to do that when you're starting your business. Like, what are the things you need? Um, and I think that that's huge because even so, like, I know here we register with the county, but that's something that you don't even think of. Like, you're like, oh, I got my LLC and I'm good now. And it's like, no, you got to register with this too. And so it's like, I feel like that's missed a lot. Um, yeah. So that's good to and, know for well, beginners and my, my, You know, my encouragement is this number one that I just outlined, the legal minimum requirements, get mm -hmm. them done. But then there's an entire list of legal protection tools that you should be mm -hmm. using. And we have a free checklist on the law talk of it. And our legally legit course actually mirrors all of that. And so these are the things that you're not legally required to register your copyright. You're not legally required to use a contract. You're not legally required to get an LLC. Because again, we're in a very unregulated industry, but these are things that will protect you, right? Having an LLC in contracts helps to protect liability. So your personal liability is not on the line. It's just your business. Contracts are there to set expectations. We go into talking about intellectual property, which is protection of your images through copyright, protection of your business name or logo through trademark, you know, and so none of these are legally required to do. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing is it's a combination of overwhelm or you just don't know what you don't know. And I get that. I'm not saying this from a place of, oh my God, you should know this. This is why I exist. <laughs> don't know it. But I get such heartburn and I get sad for photographers when they do have issues arise and it's stuff that could have been prevented if you had walked through this checklist and made it into a plan, right? Into look at your mm -hmm. business plan going forward, get your feet under you, get your money in order and start working through these other tools of what you need um, because it can help you in the end. So the most common example that I give, which I think what I'm most notably known for, I think in the industry besides copyright stuff is contracts. And because contracts, oh my goodness, I'll tell you what, I am not a lawyer that recommends beating our clients over the head with paperwork and making it a sterile <laughs> type of, you know, relationship. As creatives, we don't want that. Consumers don't want that. But contracts just provide so many benefits. They outline 
what, you know, basically what to expect to your clients. It outlines who is to do what obligation. It can prevent, you know, you being personally liable for anything. It is the one central location that you and your client look to if there's a problem. And it's even there if there is a legal issue. And having quality content in your contract, I'm going to get on a soapbox here in a second. But having, okay. quality, I know, having quality content, lawyer drafted content in your contract will prevent so many issues. It puts leaves so much time and money and energy in your pocket. I can't even express it. And one of the common examples that I always give, because I've seen it a hundred times, if not more, you know, I'll have you know, photographers who reach out and they go, oh, I want to get a contract and they don't want to buy the ones from the law talk, which are instant download, or they don't want to pay the one at the firm. So they go on the internet or they ask a friend or they write their own. And in the end, even if you're not going to pursue your client, your client might pursue you about something and you end up in court. And again, it's this mentality that never happened to me until it does. And I just mm-hmm. screenshot actually yesterday, I screenshot something in the law talk Facebook community. The very first line said, I never thought those happened to me. And I always think. Yes, I've read that one. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. Was yeah. it the one without a contract or yes, something like yes, that? Yes. yes. I yes. read that too. I was like, oh, shoot, this is going to be a good read. <laughs> I know. But I tell you what, girl, if I had just a penny for every time I've been told that over my career, we yeah. wouldn't be talking about it because I'd be owning an island somewhere because it's this <laughs> idea that it'll never happen to me. And mm-hmm. you think I'm just putting words on a paper, I'm good to go. And that's not, there's actually an art form to creating contracts of what should be in there. And mm-hmm. it's something that I've worked really hard at by being a photographer myself, knowing the industry, knowing exactly what you're going through with your clients. And my point is in the end, you don't want to spend the couple hundred bucks on the front end. You're going to end up spending thousands on the back end mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. still going to end up spending the couple hundred bucks to get your contract fixed in the end. And so it, this that is one of the areas on this list of not legally required uh, because there's no contract police coming around asking if you have a contract, but it is a tool that is really important. And so on that list, uh, right after choosing like a limited liability company or a corporate structure to, you know, have um, liability protection, contract is very close behind. Yeah. And we'll link that um, checklist to get from the law talk. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, where do I find that? We'll link that in here. And then, um, yeah, so let's kind of go through um, as we get into those legal things. And yes, the law talk does provide countless amounts of (laughs) contracts to use. I've used quite a few of them um, and they're great. Very good. I can ask you guys questions. You kind of break it down for me or show me the tools and where to get it. And so it's really great if I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, it's legal jargon. I don't know. What does that I mean? <laughs> we we but, try to make it as plain language as possible, yes. right? But I will, this is another little soapbox I'll get on. You know, there's contract signing systems that are out there, kind of CRMs that provide a free contract. And I've gone down the path of trying to be a um, their expert and provide something for them, but they mm-hmm. didn't, frankly didn't want to pay for it. And they throw one up there and they're is this explicit rating? <laughs> no, I won't say <laughs> They are the poop emoji. They are not good. And I actually just recently had to mm-hmm. litigate one for a client. And it's almost embarrassing because I'm standing yeah. in front of the judge and I'm like trying to argue this contract. And you know the judge is probably thinking, well, why did you draft it that way? And I want to scream, I didn't draft this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cleaning this mess. <laughs> no, I'm shoveling the poop emoji. Oh. Over yes. here. So 
but it's one of those things like at the end of the day for me, like with the goal of the law talk and all the, you know, even being on this podcast is I want you all to us to cut through that mess, get the things you need done and prevent having to come for me to clean something up later. I'm happy to. I mean, I'm happy to take your money, but I actually, I started saying it earlier, I do get sad. I get sad when we're mm-hmm. having to clean up an issue and I've had photographers on the phone with me crying because they're like, this is all I have left in my bank account. And I'm like, I get it. And in my back of my mind, I'm, all, I'm like, this is also was preventable. And mm-hmm. but at that point, what can you do? And it sucks. And so my encouragement just is don't fall into the mindset of I'm so overwhelmed. I'll deal with it later. Also, it'll never happen to me because you'll end up being that post in the law talk group. We welcome because we want to help you of, oh, I never thought it would happen. So really my encouragement, listening to this podcast, go back and re-listen, go in order. We've already put it in order of what you need. Put a timeline on it, put a budget on it and work towards it. You know, I always hear from people, I can't afford a contract. And I want to say, well, how'd you afford that camera that you have? Like you're making it happen. And Mm -hmm. I was there, mind you, when I got my camera, we were having to sustain two households because my husband was in the army getting ready to deploy. And we went from one household, two incomes down to one income, two households. It was a whole thing. And so I understand, I understand the idea when you're not flush with cash and you're listening to these podcasts of, Oh, you need to have this marketing course or this contract or that. And it's like, Oh my God, it's so overwhelming really to sit and take a step back and just work through it and create a plan you can do it. And that's really where the law tag is there, at least contract side. And we do even in like our course, walk you through how to set up the LLC, how to do different things, because I want to kind of bridge that gap. It may not be, it's not any better than going to a lawyer, but it's better than doing it yourself. Yeah. Well, and what is that phrase you always say about, um, what, what do you say? I don't know. I'm scared now. About (laughs) ignorance or, uh, what is the word? About not knowing something. It's not an excuse. Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, I know what you're I'm talking like, about. I can't even think of it. Oh. <laughs> It'll pop up in her mind in a minute. But um, yes, it's not an excuse. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> like Oh, in, ignorance of the, well, ignorance maybe? No, I don't know if that's the word. That was a horrible choice. I don't know. My <laughs> friend, you know my, the other day, my team sent me a quote and I was like, oh, who said that? They were like, you and I'm, I'm like, so oh, smart. I'm smarter than I thought I was. <laughs> I'm brilliant. That's so funny. <laughs> like the things that come out of my mouth, I don't even know. You have <laughs> no so idea great. what's happening. No, but I just, you know, and that's why I love that you have this podcast and you're putting this out there, uh, which can, you know, it, you mentioned it earlier about there's so much information. When the law talk first started, online education in the photography industry was not as widespread as it it is now, right? And so it is very difficult to parse through what is legit, what is um, gonna work for you, what is gonna be a waste of money. And so for me, I think with the law talk, and you mentioned it, like we provide support on all our contracts. How many times I see posts in our group that will ask about a contract and I'll go, wait a minute, that's not ours. And they'll go, no, that's from such and such shop and they won't answer my questions. And I'm going, oh, interesting you know and so i just be discerning when you are investing whether you know with legal or whatever because like for me i'm an active practicing attorney that has a law firm there's a lot of contract shops that they're no longer practicing um that i just just be mindful i'm not going to throw anyone under the bus i don't begrudge anyone else's hustle just be mindful because i want to protect you all and that's my goal at the end of the day yeah yeah um 
yeah, so as we get through that, I I think it's important to kind of like think about um, when you're talking about proactivity in that um, something that is and maybe this isn't your most popular thing that you deal with on a case by case basis. Maybe it is. But copyright. (laughs) Um, And I know there's always that that phrase. It's not if it's always when this will happen to you. And so let's kind of talk through that. Kind of like what what do you find people's misconception is of that um, and how someone can be proactive in in all of that, too. So, um, yeah, kind of. I do know that you just quote me. I do know that one. I know that is a quote that I say a lot. It's not if it's when. Yeah. Um, So copyright for those that are baseline brand new, or even you've been in the photography industry for a while, as photographers, we are different than most businesses, right? All businesses have something called intellectual property, which is kind of the umbrella term for like copyright, trademarks, patents, and stuff like that. And it's just the protection, the rights of something that you've created. And for photographers, we, again, we are different because we're not the restaurant down the street. The restaurant is outputting food. There's no protections really in that food. But us, the, photo- the photographs that we're selling to our clients, that we're licensing, that we're using in our marketing are all protected by copyright. And in the United States, lucky for us that we have copyright protections upon creation of that photograph. And this can also apply if you're a videographer as well. Uh, so that's great. The problem that we run into, and yes, copyright is something that I deal with a lot, probably even more than contracts on the firm side, because it is more of a litigious or dispute driven type of thing that we deal with is individuals or entities taking and using your photographs without permission. And typically we see that it's unrelated third parties. So it's random other businesses that use your photograph. They just pull it Mm -hmm. off the internet. And they're posting it on their commercial page. Uh, not typically, it's not your clients, or maybe your clients handed it off. Um, classic example we see a lot is brides are excited; they'll share it with the vendors, like their wedding dress company, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you see it splashed on, you know, their ads or something like that. So, copyright infringement is one of those that we're seeing more of an onslaught. We're actually that was one thing that I was referencing earlier about we're having rulings coming out of. Um, United States Supreme Court. And it's just a hot topic, especially with the new AI generated stuff Mm. that's coming about. So I guess to boil it down, I would, my encouragement is do a deeper dive than we can really get here into understanding copyright, looking at registering your copyright. So I did mention that we have copyright protections upon creation, but it's a little weak. Now, mind you, it is weak in your rights, but you still have rights. And actually, this is just anecdotal, but I'd probably say about 95% of the copyright infringement cases that we take on on behalf of photographers against infringers are unregistered photographs. And we still are able to get you guys compensated and or the photographs taken down. Um, it is helpful when you have taken the step to go to registration just because you're then afforded attorney's fees. It's increased amount of money that you could get. It makes it an easier battle for me, which is in turn less less money that you have to pay an attorney (laughs) in the end. And so I would encourage go through. And if you're sitting here going, Oh my God, I have no idea what you're talking about. My head's still spinning from contracts. (laughs) Just write down copyright, set a date and come back and listen to this portion of the podcast. But if you're someone that's like, Oh yeah, this has been happening to me. I want to prevent this. My encouragement is put it into your workflow to register as many images as you can. But if you're thinking, Oh my gosh, that's a lot. 
then just go with the ones that you use the most in your marketing. I feel like many of us, we just gravitate towards some core images that we use over and over because we feel like they're the, our best work. It's not foolproof, right? Sometimes I've even had people, oh, it happens all the time actually to me. They'll take a photograph that I've taken of myself off my Instagram. Then they'll tag me and I'm like, well, thank you for showing me that you're infringing upon my photograph. Uh, but tagging does not negate the infringement. So sometimes it's even like the crappiest photo, but you could only do what you can do. So my encouragement, if you can, you know, at least register photographs, it will help you. But if you are in a situation where some, you know, someone has, and when I say someone, it's a business, has taken your photograph, they're using it in furtherance of their business, it's on their you know, business Instagram, YouTube, you name it, even in print, pursue it. This is a big part of the industry that kills me is because there is this very, and I get it, like there's this mentality of I want to protect my work, but push comes to shove. A lot of copyright infringement never gets pursued simply mm -hmm. because you either don't understand it, don't have the time, or you don't have the money to do it. Now, at the Law Talk, we do have a copyright infringement package. You get a video that explains it. It's a demand letter that you can send to infringers. Uh, but yeah, I think it's this is an area that because of the onslaught of social media and the way that people make memes and they share images, and I'm not justifying, right? I am never, I always am afraid that people feel like I'm giving, especially major corporations, a pass when I say this. And I am not at all. I still go after them and get you guys paid. But often it's just lack of knowledge. And we, mm -hmm. especially with major corporations, we automatically assume that these corporations have the knowledge and they are equipping their employees or a third-party marketing agency that they've hired to not just go Google and find a photo on the internet and use it. And unfortunately, it's happening. Um, it happens a lot. And I still think it's worth pursuit. I mean, I'll give you some of the names of major corporations I've gone against. And you'll probably sit here and think to yourself, they should know better. You are mm -hmm. correct. They should know better, but they don't. Mm -hmm. So Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, Mars Candy, Airbnb, Marriott and Fairmont Hotels, Vogue and Essence Magazine, Pop Sugar, Condé Nast Media, um, American Greetings and a couple others. But these are major corporations, household names that are taking photographs. And it's always yeah. the statement, never thought it happened to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's still worth, it's still worth pursuit. So I say all that, that was a lot of information. Let's boil it down. One, understand copyright and your protections. Look to your services contract that you have with your clients. Are you retaining copyright? And if you are, are you willing to pursue if there's an infringer? And two, sketch out a game plan. You know, it's important when you're setting your budget and your business plan that you are setting money aside when you get to that point, set money aside for when this stuff occurs, right? Mm -hmm. So that you're able to pursue um, and also consider having a tool in your toolbox, whether it's having a relationship with us as a firm who can do it for you and or grabbing that copyright infringement letters kit from the law talk because you're going to use it. It's going to happen. And I want you guys to get paid for your work at the end of the day. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think that's one of the things that I see in your um, your groups and things online is like your little spiel of. Like, what do I do? This happened. It's like you would think that they've been reading this all along. Like the step-by-step -step process of d d stop right now, cease all oh, communication, oh, and <laughs> register your trademark after talking to a or trademark copyright. Talk to your lawyer, all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, yep. 
Well, you know what's funny is I, you know, because I love the industry so much and I want every photographer to be equipped with the info, I'll get frustrated and I'll be like, how have you guys not known this? I've been saying this for 13 (laughs) years. And then I have to go, hold on, Rachel, take a step back. Quit being so passionate, first of all. Chill out. <laughs> but, but like, consider that we're creatives. We are emotionally connected to what we've created, right? We're not just selling a widget off the shelf to somebody. And so we love our clients. And so we're all intertwined with it. So when we see a photograph of ours that we've put blood, sweat, and tears and energy into being used without permission, it almost mm-hmm. feels like a betrayal in a way, especially when it's a major corporation that you're like, they should know better. And yes, they should. And so I think what you're referring to for those listening is in the Law Talk group, we probably see five, 10, 15 posts a week of people saying, what do we do in the process? And I can walk through it here in a second is relatively the same. You know, um, yeah, the facts are going to be different depending on how many times it was used, who used it, where it was used and those things like that. But for the most part, I, you know, I just always have to remind myself, this is new to the person that is running into it. And it's actually, when they're posting, it shows me that they care about their work. And I think that's a positive for the industry. Um, now we just need to start encouraging ourselves to get to the next step of pursuit. But to the, um, actually, let me, I could pull up, I, ha- I have a saved reply at this point because it is <laughs> all the same steps. Actually, I, I, I did not write it. I stole it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, one of my employees wrote it. <laughs> um, yeah, the first step. So if you're scrolling through Instagram and they tagged you like they tagged me all the time or someone messages you and goes, so, hey, I saw that so-and-so bridal is using your photo. Congrats. And you're going, eh, what? Here's the steps that I want you to take. I don't want you to do anything at all until you go through the next steps. Don't get excited. Don't post it on social media and have people with witch hunt with pitchforks going after them (laughs) because it's going to damage your legal position. Don't talk about who it is with anybody, maybe a best friend, your dog, whoever, but, or me, happy to. But then you want to think about, and this is actually... I'm glad you brought this up because our next step after that is to think about what you would want to happen. And so Mm -hmm. this is actually a better question to ask yourself before you end up in an infringement situation. What do you really want to happen when someone's using your photograph? I know for me personally, it's also dependent upon how it's used and who is utilizing it and what fashion. Um, You know, I have clients that'll say to me, if it's a major corporation who's selling wedding photography on a cruise ship, is going to be completely different than if it's like the homeless shelter down the street just advertising their um, winter coat drive, right? You know, you might, depending on who you are, you might have a different perspective mm-hmm. of what you want to pursue. So what is it that you want to happen? Do you want payment from the unauthorized use? Do you want the photos removed? Do you just want credit or do you want a combination of these? And so I would take some time, jot it down now, think about kind of what you would want. Compensation is the most popular one. (laughs) And I don't blame you. You should be compensated. And then third is you figure out, did I register these photos with the copyright office? Many times the answer is no. Like I said, about 95% of the people we work with don't ever register their photos. And then this is probably most, most, most important. This is why I wanted you to not say anything because we don't want evidence to disappear. You want to document the usage with screenshots, if it's online, Mm -hmm. uh, of each place and site where you found the photo used without your permission. And if you can get the direct link, that's even helpful. These are things that I'm going to ask for if you come to me, because we need as much evidence as possible, whether we send a letter or you're using the law to copyright infringement letters, you want to attach them. 
Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. You also may want to consider talking to your client to see if your client shared it with them. I, I'm apprehensive on involving the clients as much as possible, especially when they're recognizable in the photo. I'd rather resolve the issue with the third party first, just because some people want to be more private and they might be upset that a major corporation is using their face without permission. And then gather all communications between you and the other party. So if you've already reached out to them, I need a screenshot of all of that. But really don't contact the other party until you've spoken to an IP lawyer or you've sent your first communication. And then the last one, obviously, is a shameless plug for myself. Contact yep. <laughs> lawyer um, just because it may be different. And for example, if you have a printed uh, infringement, it's magazine, right? We've had some people where the photographs were distributed in bridal magazines. It's a lot harder for an infringer to walk back distribution of a magazine that's already been printed and handed out than it is for them to log on their website and delete the photo. Mm -hmm. And so that can lead to increased damages for you and it gives you better leverage. And that's why I say that's just one example of why talking to a lawyer is incredibly important because you also might undervalue the demand that you're sending and we may be able to get you paid more than you thought of. So, you know, and I kind of end it with, do not come at, comment on any posts that feature your photo. Do not send any DMCA takedown notices with the caveat, unless all your goal is to have it taken down. If you want to get paid, don't do it yet. I like to have that in my back pocket. Uh, but yeah, do, you know, just kind of walking through the process of what do you want? Examine where the facts and situations are, document usage, and then talk to an attorney most people come into the law talk group for help with that, though. So my question is, when you've seen it already, and this is probably a lot of people's questions, and then you end up registering it with copyright, do you see any backlash from that because it's registered after it's been used? I love this question. So I, I'll slip you a 20 later because I love being able to talk about one of my favorite cases with this. Um, it, and so I'm, it's, anyways, all right, let me back up. Typically to get, remember we talked about, you do have benefits if it's unregistered, but you have increased benefits. And I didn't even go into like the full explanation of yeah. that for sake of time, but it's stronger when you have a registered photo. And typically though, the formula is you need to have the registration to occur prior to the infringing action happens in order to have those registration benefits. So I need to register it July 1 before the infringement is going to happen on July 15th. This is part of that proactivity. There is an exception though. There's a grace period in the copyright law that allows for, let's say you photograph the wedding in June, you publish it July 1 to your Facebook page, and then you see an infringement July 15th, but you haven't yet gotten to register it just because of your workflow. It's the summer. It is what it is. You have three months from the creation mm -hmm. in order to be able to register it. So it's a grace period to allow kind of to backdate and receive those registered benefits. That was one reason. And I knew I kind of knew you were going to ask me this question <laughs> so I didn't go into it earlier. As a good lawyer, you always have to anticipate what's going to be asked. Um that's why I kind of mentioned when we're talking about sticking into your workflow, when you're going to register, if you do it quarterly, it's every three months. So you're going to capture everything months. So you don't necessarily have to register it right when it happens. That being said, one of the things, and this is why I tell people don't do anything. You guys can't see me. We're, we're, we're on video together, but like I'm tapping my phone with like my whole check. <laughs> this is why I say don't do anything with your copyright infringement until you talk to an attorney because one of my biggest cases that we had was against Airbnb. 
and um, it was unregistered photos to begin with. And then we were like, let's rush register them because we had seen that the photographs were being distributed out to Yahoo, um, other news are, I can't even, the whole list of like all these other news outlets, Airbnb was doing this huge push for um, like the top places to go in Airbnbs in 2019, whatever year it was. And I was like, okay, in my mind, I thought if they distributed this, these other media outlets, they haven't hit yet. Let's rush and register. And we registered it. It was like April 20th was when the registration was approval approved on April 21. We found like five, six, maybe seven new infringements mm-hmm. after the registration. So overnight like that, we went from, we had already been negotiating a settlement for the client. It added two zeros to the end of the check wow. because it went from unregistered to registered overnight. That was, I don't know if I'll ever see that again in my career. That was <laughs> most exciting things. It was like, I'm looking at the phone going, oh my God, what's going on? It just shows you that, and that's not a guarantee, but it it is important. But to answer your question, two things to take away from that. One, well, maybe three, register images as much as possible. Put, make sure that you're putting them in your workflow. Don't let it exceed three months from the creation of it. And the second is when you have an infringement situation, you may want to register it, but with registration, it's not when you submit the application, it's when it's actually registered. So your situation, like in this with the news media, we knew we needed to pay for the expedited registration and it just happened to work out. Look at that. It was like 12 hours later that we were able to move from unregistered to registered. Whereas if we had done the regular application process, we wouldn't have gotten that benefit because instead of two weeks, it would have taken the copyright office three or four months to process it. And that's kind of the benefit that you get going to a firm or even talking to the law talk of having someone that does this all the time, because I'm here to hedge the bet so that you can get as much possible for your photographs. So as we're like ending our conversation, I just wanted to throw this in here as well. So like when you this is sad to say I have not registered my images <laughs> before. <laughs> um but when you do that, is that like, how does that process go? Like you, is that state by state? Is that like um, national? National? Is it like a costly thing? Like, how does that work? Good question. So it's with copyright.gov. So it's federal, okay. which is one way that I'm able That's to do all of this yeah. in all the different states. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's nationwide. And so, uh, <laughs> but it's federal level. And well, I'm not going to go into a whole civil procedure on it. Yes, it is federal generally. I always want to put a caveat because I'll get a nasty gram if I don't fully explain myself, either other lawyers or someone who wants to pick me apart. And they'll go, that's yeah. not accurate. I'm like, it was for brevity, man. It was just for like the efficiency of the podcast. Um, so anyways, yes, cop- you can cut that part out if you want. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> it's just a rant. <laughs> but I love no, it. It is federal. Um, it's copyright.gov. May the odds be ever in your favor using the website. It is government. It is like built in the 1980s. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they have hamsters powering it from the back end. <laughs> so if you you can go and do it. Um, the application is fairly straightforward. Where you run into situations, especially if you're in an infringement, active infringement, 
where you really probably want to have more help from an attorney is there's different classifications, whether mm. your photographs have been published or unpublished. Do you do a whole collection? Do you do a single photo? Um, and these are kind of strategic questions that a lawyer can answer, but you can do it yourself. The costs, I can't even tell you what they are now. It's very minimal and you could pass it on to your client, put it in your cost of doing business, put it into your workflow, like we've mentioned. Um, yeah. And I guess my biggest takeaway, which is not even legal, don't try to upload your high res files. Like I said, those little hamsters can only run so fast. You're going to need to do a Lightroom export of like half the size in order for the the website. Oh, to man. Even yeah. They just need a representation of the photo. They don't need the full, full power of it. Yeah. 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 Can we get somebody on uh, the keyword search of those government sites? Because seriously, okay, <laughs> those hamster so wheels. Are definitely true, but poor hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we could talk about so many things. We don't have all that time. I so appreciate you coming on today and um, talking about um, just a small fragment of probably the things that I want to know. But um, I really thank you for all of this. Um, if someone were to look for you after listening to this or want to know some of the resources of the law talk, where would they find you on the web or social? I am probably one of the easiest people to find. So I'm the only <laughs> Rachel Brinke in the world. So you, you Google me, um, you can get a hold of me. We've got, so we're on all the social media platforms, but the most efficient for you guys would be the We have a chat bubble that's manned live during the day. We also have the Facebook group. Um, that I have a host of admins and I'm in there quite a bit answering questions as well. Yeah. I love it. Uh, That's my little (laughs) baby. Um, Yeah. So those are the biggest things. If you want to just bypass all of that and come straight to the law firm, it's eden-law.com. We also have someone active there during the work week that can answer questions by phone or email. And yeah, I mean, just really ask away. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is 99% of what we are asked is on the Law Talk blog. So if you go on there, Mm -hmm. so many articles, but because we have so much stuff and it can be overwhelming, do not hesitate to use my team. That's what they are there for. They have been trained. They love you guys like I do. Don't abuse them, but use them and (laughs) just, you know, love them and they will help you get you to the direction of what you need. And just kind of look at it as a true benefit that that you're not having to pay for, that it's a good industry benefit that can help you. But yeah, so on the copyright side, we mentioned the free business checklist. We also have a free copyright guide that has a longer video. It's probably about 45 Mm -hmm. minutes of me explaining more of the intricacies of copyright. That might be helpful. That would be a good place also for you to dive into if you're bored one evening and want to kill 45 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) All that time, yes. Or while you're editing, right? Yeah, that's true. Hey, several screens, right? Oh my gosh, I would prefer Netflix over the long. Oh yes, I am the long (laughs) time. Yeah, you probably don't want to watch yourself, but (laughs) she's also on uh, Facebook. Obviously, there's uh, TikTok now. Those are fun to watch. Crying. (laughs) So so sad. I love them. I love like the just. Yeah, it's it's just great for things that you're not thinking of. And Instagram. So if you're if you're just wanting to follow there, sometimes those happen like pop up in your feed and you're like, oh, I wasn't thinking about that, especially with the new AI stuff coming out. There's maybe some stuff when Rachel is. I'm recording it after Rachel. (laughs) Yes. 
the new stuff coming out about that. Uh, I saw some of the stuff today get posted. So if you're looking for that, um, you can find those in those areas. So thank you, Rachel, for coming on today and talking about all of this. I so appreciate you. And until next time, my friends, cheers. Thanks for listening to the Cameras and Coffee podcast. Check out the show notes for this episode at karahanesphotography.com slash podcast. That's K-A-R-A-H-A-N-E-S photography.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.